Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Challenge of Smoke Wade, written by Robert J. Hogan. Sit easy and keep your hands from them guns. On a dusty trail above Elkhorn, three men sat motionless in their saddles. Two of the men were together, Bristol and Trudgeon, and they nervously eyed the guns in the saddlebag of Smoke Wade. Bristol had spoken, and Wade knew by the hard set of his butt-like jaw he meant it. Smoke felt his body tense, his every sense alert for trouble. His horse pawed the ground nervously, reacting to the hair-trigger tension of the puncher's body. One wrong move on the part of man or horse could ruin a plan for desperate action, a showdown on which depended the lives and homes of many people Wade had never seen. His lightning hands whipped to his guns and made the first move. Long before Smoke Wade rode into the drought-stricken valley, his reputation as a feared gunslinger had been known. The ranchers knew him as a pistolero whose cool eyes and lightning hands were just what was needed to stop the Bristol gang. Even as he rode in, Smoke could sense the trigger-taut atmosphere of thirsty men and cattlemen who were itching to get at the bushwhackers whose guns controlled the water holes. Tempers were getting shorter and guns were being loaded. It was to be a race between the madness of thirst or lead poisoning colt style, and the owl hoots asked themselves if even banded together they dared answer the challenge of Smoke Wade. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Challenge of Smoke Wade. Part 1 Gunsmoke Hangs Heavy Chapter 1 Smoke Wade rode through the pass and started down the other side of the range toward the drought-stricken valley. The fingers of the mountains closed over him as if to hold him there until he had done the job he had undertaken. The heat seared his bronze face and brought rivers of sweat down into his eyes. He wiped the dripping moisture with a faded shirt sleeve and rose in his stirrups to get the first glimpse of the dead land. Beyond a bend in the trail he saw the basin, burned and brown except for several square miles of pale green against the mesa wall to the north. That, he decided, must be Elkhorn. The pinto stallion tossed his head and blasted a challenging nicker. The call cascaded over the gullies and knees of the mountain, echoing back at each bound. Far down the trail, a coquettish mare answered. From cedar scrub at the right of the trail, another horse snorted. The sound was quickly stifled, as if by a jerk of the bit. Smoke whirled in his saddle. A voice from the other side of the trail turned him back. You smoke, Wade. The speaker jumped his horse from the thicket and glared at the rider of the pinto stud. Smoke looked him over. There was cruelty in the face of this big man. The small, wide-set eyes were like the eyes of a mean bull. They glanced sideways at another rider, tall and raw-boned, who came out of the brush across the trail. I asked you a question, the big man said to Wade. The raw-boned man said, He's smoke Wade all right. 
I'll handle this, Trudgeon, the man with the small eyes said. Wade relaxed slightly in his saddle. If your friend's name is Trudgeon, then you must be Matt Bristol. Bristol made a jerky nod. Smoke ran his eyes over the fat middle of the man, took in the massive shoulders, the twin guns carried high and tight about his waist, stocks forward, where they could be got at quickly in a cross draw. Smoke said, I didn't expect a welcoming committee. You're not welcome, Trudgeon said. Trudgeon would be a dangerous man with his big fists and two guns, Wade decided. His eyes were steady as a butte base. He sat relaxed and seemingly sure of himself, with his big hands cupped over the saddle horn like a man with no guilt on his conscience, or no conscience at all. He'd likely be fast on the draw as well as steady. Wade said, I expect you know why I've come to Gunnison country. We know, Bristol said. We're here to tell you to turn around and go back without troubling yourself about Elkhorn. I wouldn't feel right about doing that, Wade said. I work for the man that rightly owns Elkhorn, and he sent me up to move you two and your gun hands off his property. Orn Quig don't own Elkhorn, Trudgeon said. You go back, said Bristol, and tell that old fool that Elkhorn is being held by its owners. Orrin's old, Smoke said, but as far as being a fool, he nodded at the dead brown expanse of basin below. He played smarter than most of you Gunnison ranchers. He guessed that another drought was due, so about a year ago he sold out his stock and figured to sit out the next dry spell. He wasn't so smart, Bristol said. Maybe so, Wade shifted sideways in his saddle. He'd seen Bristol fold his arms. That put his fingertips at his gun stocks, ready to cross-draw. Of course, I could be wrong about the story. He let his hand move back to the saddlebag that held his guns. I'll tell you the way I heard it. Then you two can put me straight if my story's off. You're wasting your time, Trudgeon said. As I see it, Elkhorn's got more water than all the rest of the valley. Smoke felt one of his guns through the leather of his bulging saddlebag, but the flap was buckled tight. And the water is ours, Bristol said. Smoke stalled for time while his fingers toyed with the flap of his saddlebag. The guns had weighed him down in the long, hot ride, and he'd taken them off, thinking he wouldn't need them until he was actually in the basin. The way I understand it he said, talking in a slow drawl. Elkhorn's got about the only water and about all the grass that's fit for grazing, now that the drought's on. Bristol stiffened. Keep your hands off that saddlebag. Smoke shifted his weight easily. When Orrin Quigg heard you all were in for a dry time, he wrote up to the man he had taken care of Elkhorn. He told old Alt Unger to let everybody graze his stock there and try to keep alive what they had till rain came. Trudgeon said, I don't expect Unger ever got that letter. He had an accident. Smoke gigged his stallion and the beast pranced about. 
He let his fingers crawl back to the saddlebag flap now. Bristol was watching. But the stud Wade rode had turned so that the saddlebag was on the side away from him. Yeah, Bristol said. Unger fell off the rim rock of the mesa above Elkhorn. His voice was tight and his eyes were lowered, trying to guess the movements of Wade's fingers from watching his arm and shoulder. So we heard down south, Wade went on. Oren also heard that you two and some gun hands had jumped Elkhorn and taken it over before anybody else could move stock in. Seems you were claiming Elkhorn on an even split. Even split? Hell, Bristol said. I got more rights to it. Trudgeon gets 40%, and I get the rest. Wade glanced at the raw-boned man. That the way you understand it, Trudgeon? Suits me. What else you got to say? I want to know how come you and Bristol think you got the right to take over and split Elkhorn. Oren could have told you that, Bristol said impatiently. Smoke had the strap half out of his saddlebag buckle. He moved slowly, knowing that Bristol was watching him like a wheeling vulture. Thirty years ago, Bristol went on, Trudgeon's spread and mine and Elkhorn was all one. It got split up during a four-day poker game. There was cheating in that game. Cheating by who? By Oren Quigg, Bristol said. That's funny, Wade said. He had the flap almost open now. He only had to draw the strap from the buckle far enough to let him get at his gun. Oren says it was your old man. He says the ranch was already split up before the game, and your old man tried to cheat him out of Elkhorn. That's a lie, Bristol roared. Now get moving out of here. Any way you look at it, Wade said, you're taking a damn slim excuse to take over a man's land when he's not looking. His finger touched the stock of his first gun. He moved his hand further inside the leather bag. Possession is 99% of the law, Bristol snarled. Wade reached a little further inside the bag, nearly got his hand close over the stock of the gun. He knew he'd have one chance in ten of coming out alive with Bristol and Trudgeon split on either side of him. He steeled himself for the sudden draw, but the sound of hoofs behind him caused him to relax. The trail behind him filled with three more horsemen. The man on the left was pale-eyed with stringy, straw-colored hair. On the right, a huge man on a big black beast. He had brutal features marked by signs of past battle. A scarlet line ran like jagged lightning from the left corner of his mouth up and beyond where his left ear should be. The man in the middle was squat and swarthy. Each of the three carried guns down their legs at fingertip reach. The sweat came down from Wade's hat band and dripped off his chin. He saw all three of the men watching his hand half in the saddlebag. He withdrew his hand and turned to gaze back at Matt Bristol. Judging by the way you hide your gun pack, Smoke said, seems you're the kind of man that'd go into a poker game with a deck of aces up your sleeve. 
Bristol's folded arms tightened. He was touching the stocks of his guns. Meaning what? The fury that was in Wade came out only in more sweat pouring down his face. Behind him, he heard the swift slick of metal rubbing hard holster leather, and he knew the three men had drawn their guns. Meaning you don't leave much chance. That's right, Bristol waited, his breathing loud in the still, hot air. You going back like you're told, or must we persuade you? That depends, Smoke said. He was trying to figure out how he could break out of this ambush. Six guns were trained on him, and any one of them at such close range could blow him apart. The thing had gone beyond the stage where he might bluff his way out. He moistened his thin, dry lips. He almost said, You win this first round, but Matt Bristol beat him to it. Show him, Wahoo, Bristol said. Out of the tail of his eye, Wade saw the long-barreled gun of the brute on the right rise and struck. He ducked, half-turned, and clawed at the flap of his saddlebag. If they wanted a fight out of it, he might as well give it to them. Nedro! Bristol roared. Get him! Something sizzled through the air from the other side and struck Wade a glancing blow. Slightly dazed, he bent lower. Then... Without being able to draw his gun, he lunged out of the saddle for the ground. A powerful hand caught the back of his shirt and yanked him up again. A crash exploded on the back of his head, and everything whirled and flashed. Another blow landed, but he had gone down with the first. Dimly, he heard Bristol bellowing, Give it to him! Beat the living hell out of him! Booted feet came at him. He caught one boot as it swung to kick. He yanked and twisted. With a yell of pain, one of the men fell to the ground. Smoke leaped on him, pounding him with his fists. Bristol was yelling, Get him, Wahoo! Smoke rolled, caught the legs of Wahoo. He pulled and twisted, but another blow landed. There was savage cursing. Someone was beating him on the back with a gun stock. He wrestled and got Wahoo down, then crawled up to punch the ugly head. A heavy body plunged, crushing half the wind out of him. He got in a blow at Wahoo's face, heard him grunt and howl in rage. Wade struck again. Wahoo stiffened. Then, reviving suddenly, he struggled up, dragging Wade with him. Get that outlander, son, Bristol bellowed. His voice was closer now. He must be down off his horse. A blow on the back of Wade's head staggered him. He felt his knees buckle, made a frantic effort to get his bearings, flailing wildly with his fists. Dimly, he saw Wahoo raising the long-barreled six-gun. Wade tried to duck, but he was too dazed and the gun came too fast. The blow crashed against his head. Lights exploded, and he went down. I'll finish him, Bristol said from a long way off. The heavy boot drove at Wade's face, and he couldn't stop it. The boot landed with savage force and drew back to kick again. He reached out to catch the foot and twist it, to drag Bristol down. 
but there was no sense of distance left to him and no strength in his hands. Again, the boot smashed his face and head. Again, and again, and again it struck. He didn't know when it stopped. By then, he was unconscious. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Challenge of Smoke Wade. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.